So good to be back with you today as we enjoyed some time away this past week and thankful for Amanda and her proclamation of God's Word last Sunday. We went to Toronto, Canada to visit Melanie's brother and his family. Richard serves as the assistant priest in an Anglican parish there. We had not been to the city before, and so it was really good to connect with family for a while. On the way back, we were able to see Niagara Falls, and wow, I was just amazed at the handiwork of God as we watched the water pour over the falls. But it's always good to be back in your own bed, and so good to be back home here in Midlothian. Today we're beginning a brand new message series that will take us through the end of August. It's entitled Living with Margin. We're going to be focusing on how to incorporate Sabbath living in our daily lives. We've made a lot of progress in the modern world, and that progress has allowed us to have more of everything, faster and easier than ever before. Who would have ever thought of mobile technology that could enable us to order groceries and have them brought in a couple of hours to our front door, and all sorts of other things that are very modern and convenient for us. We are, however, in spite of all of these conveniences, more hurried and stressed than ever before. We lack margin. Many of us don't have any breathing room in our lives. We go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. I stand before you today as one who struggles in that area. I've always struggled with busyness and overloading my calendar and saying yes to too many things and finding that I might not be able to do them very well. But it doesn't have to be this way. So over the next month, you and I will seek to reclaim the sanctity of time by learning to live with margin, regular practice of Sabbath on a daily basis. We'll start today by reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, very familiar words to us. Verse 28 and following, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. On Christmas Day of 2015, Mary Lambright was driving an 18-wheel truck through Paoli, Indiana. It was loaded with 43,000 pounds of bottled water. Her destination was the local Walmart to make a delivery. She missed her turn into the Walmart and was trying to find another convenient turnaround so that she could go back the other direction. The places she saw weren't comfortable for her because a fairly new truck driver, she was not confident in her ability to do what we would call a three-point turnaround where you have to back the big rig up and turned the other way. She was looking for a large parking lot space where she could go in and make a loop and then go back to the Walmart. 
Unfortunately, she ran out of places to turn and was headed down the road, which became a single-lane covered iron bridge, the old-fashioned kind, where the road splits into two, and there's a bridge that goes over, and there's also a bridge coming back from the other direction, and then the roads converge. So you can imagine what that was like. There was a sign before the bridge that said, weight limit, six tons. And another sign adjacent to that that showed a picture of a truck with a slash through it that clearly says, no trucks allowed. Well, she started off anyway. She was from the area and had driven over the bridge several times, but in her car. She figured she could just cross over and find her loop around. As the truck started to cross the bridge, the top of the trailer hit the top of the bridge and it caved in, and a split second later, the entire bridge collapsed under the weight of the truck. According to police, the fully loaded rig weighed 30 tons. Do your math. I think that's five times the limit or the capacity of the bridge. Thankfully, neither she nor her passenger were injured. The police advised her that her vehicle weighed close to 30 tons. And when asked by the police why she continued along the bridge knowing that her truck weighed way too much, the only thing she said in reply was, I didn't know how many pounds six tons was. The load of the truck far exceeded the limit the bridge could carry. The load far exceeded the limit. You and I are like that bridge. In life, we have limits. Limits of physical energy, emotional energy, social energy, and other resources such as time and finances. Many of us push ourselves to the limit. We run so hard that there is not much left for those who matter most, and often there's not much left for God at all. We need margin. We desperately need margin in our society and in our lives as Christian people. Margin is defined by one writer, Richard Swenson, who is a medical doctor, and his book is entitled Margin. I'm using that as a resource for this series. He defines margin as the space between our load and our limits. The space between our load and our limits. In the illustration that Miss Amanda shared in the children's sermon, it would be between a partially, the margin is the amount of water in a partially filled jar as opposed to the very top. Or if you've ever blown up a balloon, the margin is the amount of air when left, or the amount of space left in the balloon when you have only blown it up part of the way. Using the example of the bridge we talked about, the bridge's limit is six tons. If a one-ton vehicle were on the bridge, then there's a margin of five tons. There's room to spare. Margin is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It's something held in reserve for contingencies and unanticipated situations. It is the gap between rest and exhaustion. The space between 
breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. I'll never forget the words of Dr. Dan Bagby, our pastoral, pastoral care professor at the Baptist Seminary of Richmond. He said, in ministry, never plan more than two-thirds of your day because ministry will fill up the other third. If you schedule everything, all of your time, there's no room for the unexpected. And you and I, we all know that there is always that which is unexpected. Many of us are not quite sure when we pass from margin to overload. We don't have a check engine light like our car or a low battery light or such gauge that blinks and reminds us that we are about to cross that threshold. We just know it when we run 120% and we feel the pain, the, the pain of stress and exhaustion and burnout. We start to hurt relationally. We get anxious. We get hostile, even depressed, and sometimes resentful. We wonder how life got so hurried and filled with unrealistic expectations on ourselves and others. I need margin in my life. We all need margin. Could you imagine what a, pa- a book would look like if there weren't margins on the pages? Could you imagine trying to read a book that was just all print? It would be very difficult. Margin in life is able to say yes to your neighbor when there's a need or when there's an opportunity for a cup of tea. Margin is when your child wants to throw the ball and you say, yes, honey, I'll be right there. Margin is when an airline does not overbook their flights and give you a voucher for the next flight if you're willing to give up your seat. We've seen some of the problems that that has created in society, on, especially on social media when it's reported. Margin says, I'm available for the needs of others. Margin says, when God calls, God does not get a busy signal. We can't say yes to everything, and I'm not advocating saying yes to every ministry opportunity that comes up. We are not called to do everything. But margin in our lives builds in availability so that we might be able to say yes to the right things. Sometimes we have to say no to good things so we can say yes to the best. Some benefits of margin. You can jot these down. Margin grants freedom and permits rest. And these will all be on the screen for a few moments, so you can take them down. It grants freedom and gives us rest. Margin nourishes relationship and service. Margin allows us, as I've said, to be available to God's purposes. And margin is beneficial to our health. As we go through the series, you'll see some, we'll learn some very practical uh, tips that will help us to be more healthy folks. You might be saying, Pastor Bob, this margin thing is ingenious. How can I get some of it? Where has it been all this time? Let me suggest that it has been with us all along. God created all that exists, 
And at the end of each day of creation, God looked at what God had created and called it good. Then on the sixth day, God stepped back, if you can imagine that, and looking at all that God had created, including human beings, and said, it is tov ma'od, Hebrew for very good. So each day of creation, God called things good. And then at the end of creation, God called it very good. Genesis 2, 2 and 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it, remember this, holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God said that the earth was good, that the light and darkness were good, that the sky and the water were good, that the expanse was good, that the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air were good, that the animals were good, that the man and the woman he had created were good. And then God looked at everything and said, it is so very good. But the seventh day, which would become known as the Sabbath day, the day God rested from all he had done, this day was more than good. This day was more than tov ma'od, more than very good. This day was holy. Abraham Joshua Heschel was a Jewish theologian, professor, scholar, and activist. He marched with Martin Luther King at Selma, Alabama. One of his most well-known books is entitled Sabbath. He writes, one of the most distinguished words in the Bible, and he's speaking of the Hebrew Bible, is kadosh, holy. A word which more than any other is representative of the, myst- of the mystery and majesty of the divine. And he asks, now what was the first holy object in the history of the world? Was it a mountain? Was it an altar? Not at all. And he quotes Genesis 2, verse 3, and then he says, there is no reference in the record of creation to any object in space that would be endowed with the quality of holiness. And he adds, not even us people. When history began, there was only one holiness in the world, the holiness of time. When I read this, I had to pause because I had honestly had not conceived it like that before. The sanctity of time came first. The sanctity of people came second. And the sanctity of space last. Time was hallowed, made holy by God. The tabernacle consecrated by Moses. Heschel states that the essence of the Sabbath is completely detached from the world of space. Meaning to celebrate Sabbath is to celebrate time rather than space. Six days we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to the holiness in time. It is a day on which we are called upon to share what is eternal in time. To turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation. From the world of creation to the creation of the world. All this is to say that time is the only resource that is limited. And time is the only thing, as we read God's Word, that is truly sacred. Sabbath-keeping is asking God to redeem the time. 
Sabbath keeping is not about legalistic rules and regulations. It is about holiness in time, the here and now, that our lives are so changed and transformed through Jesus Christ that we live each day, perhaps each moment of each day, as it is holy, as if it were Sabbath in of itself. I believe this is what Jesus was getting at when he taught his disciples about Sabbath. Before his discourse in Matthew 12 on Sabbath, Jesus said this in chapter 11. You heard it earlier from the New International. Listen to the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it, says Jesus. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Sabbath is a gift from God. May we keep it holy. Pete Scazzaro, the author of The Emotionally Healthy Leader, says, the problem with too many leaders, and I consider myself one of the people he's writing about, is that we allow our work to trespass on every other area of life, disrupting the balanced rhythm of work and rest God created for our good. In other words, many of us have little meaning or little regard for the true meaning of Sabbath, God's sanctification in time. We've been given a gift of margin from the very beginning of history and we have trespassed upon it. And it is time we reclaim it as it was originally intended. That's why I sensed God leading me to bring this series at the end of summer. Yes, it's vacation time. Yes, many people are away. But once fall starts, school is here. College has resumed. Sports have resumed. Programming. People are going from here to there to yonder. And so maybe some of the things that we learn during the month of August will help us to navigate that which lies ahead. Maybe we can begin by simply being available, which means slow down some. Writer Chuck Swindoll, pastor and writer, once found himself way too busy. He was snapping at his family, choking down his food, as he was gone to the next thing, and he was feeling very irritated. And in his book, Stress Fractures, he writes how his family started to take on his own stress and busyness. And the whole household became this kind of irritable mess. Reflecting on all of this, he he tells a story that really changed everything for him. He says, after supper one evening, his younger daughter, Colleen, wanted to tell him something exciting that had happened in school that day. And she began very hurriedly, talking very fast. Daddy, I want to tell you something, and I'll tell you really fast. Realizing her frustration, Swindoll answered, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me fast. Say it slowly. He has never forgotten her answer. Daddy, then listen slowly. 
margin in our day enables us to slow down so that we can see another way, another world, another kingdom, if we will listen slowly, if we will allow God to give us the rest we need. If you read the Psalms, like Psalm 4, you'll see a little word in the Hebrew pronounced selah, S-E-L-A-H, selah. It is mostly translated as a rest, meaning that when you see the word selah in the Psalms, it says just pause. Don't say anything, pause. Often in Hebrew worship, a selah allowed the words to cease while the music continued. It's just like music when we are singing and instruments are playing and the choir rests. It enables us to hear the music. The psalmist says, But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent And then there's that little word, selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. The one who is our selah. A few questions for reflection. What does Sabbath look like for you and me now? What's it look like? Is it just showing up for an hour of church and then going on to be about your business? Is it an obligation? What is it like for you now and me now? Where are you and I overloaded and feeling stressed? What's going on? Where do you and I need to begin to set some limits? That we might say no to even good things. That we might say yes to that which is better. And fourth question. How can you and I begin to establish a sacred rhythm in life? To build in margin. To live Sabbath. Perhaps reclaiming margin in our lives can happen when we allow God to redeem the time saying no to the way of the world around us, and saying yes to the way God designed us to live since the very beginning of history, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who himself was gentle and humble in heart, and said, come unto me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The prophet Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Today we find that rest at the table of the Lord.